We live in troubling times, political, cultural, and church fighting at every turn. We live in a society that is simply upside wrong, where what was once wrong is right, and what was once right is wrong. Where are the Lord's quality leaders? Where are our modern-day Nehemiahs? Do they exist? We need sound teachers who present accurate facts as they relate to Scripture, who are clear and free from meaningless clichés and relevant to our current events. You know, men and women like Nehemiah, our study, Hand Me My Sword, sets out to present realistic observations to present culture while evaluating how each applies to the eschatological truths contained in the Old and New Testaments. In the book of Nehemiah, the man who led God's people is presented in three roles. Early in the book, he is the cupbearer of the king, a servant. Midway through the story, he is a builder of the wall. In the third part of the book, he is governor of the city and surrounding sections of Jerusalem. He was a true and authentic leader of God. Hand Me My Sword is framed within the emphasis of using one hand to rebuild while keeping the sword of the Spirit in the other. We are praying that this mini-series blesses you beyond measure, so let's get started with our lesson for today. self actually means Jehovah comforts, which means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are comforters. Nehemiah was known as being a famous cupbearer who never appears in scripture outside of this book. As with the books of Ezra and Esther, named for his contemporaries, this book recounts selective events of his leadership and was titled as one of the greatest leaders of the Hebrew people throughout all the Old Testament. Both the Greek and the Latin Vulgate originally named this book Second Ezra, even though the two books of Ezra and Nehemiah are separate in most English Bibles, they may have once been joined together in a single unit as they currently are in the Hebrew text. That is a very significant piece that we need to keep in mind. However, the book of Nehemiah 
has been proven by Jewish history as the very last book that was written before the arrival of Jesus Christ. That's why we're starting with the book of Nehemiah. Let's take a look at our primary points for our study today. Leadership should always start with serving, which is described in our book as a cupbearer. God only uses men and women of character, a life without lies, deception, and immorality. And then God has a habit of using laymen, people without importance. It does appear as we read through the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New, we see that people of importance are distracted with self-glory. So it became God's norm to make use of average, day-to-day, individuals that have a clean heart before God. And then leaders classically use the people closest to them. You know, people of the same beliefs. And then God loves working with people who see opposition as a challenge, which creates, of course, endurance. Jesus said personally to us in the Holy Word of God that those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. So this makes this particular statement absolutely essential. Finally, passionate people who have the heart to rebuild become his most active workers. Please notice that the book of Nehemiah, you will discover in your Bible that 23 more books come after his writing. That is because of the way it was canonized. In reality, the book of Nehemiah was the last book written before the coming, first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always remember that as we go through our series. Let's take a look at our passage for today. It's out of Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 11. And it says this, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered 
were in the most remote part of the heavens. I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people who you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. And make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. This short little passage applies to our church culture today, without question. Here Nehemiah was in one of the most significant positions, if not the most significant position, and that is being a cupbearer to the greatest king that lived on earth during Nehemiah's time. We're going to talk a lot about the impact that a cupbearer has on a king, but know this, all quality leadership starts with being a slave to a great authority. In our case, because of Jesus Christ, we were granted a bond slave position, which means volunteer. Let's take a look at recording your journey. Jewish tradition identifies Nehemiah himself as the primary author of this historical book. Much of the book is written from his first-person perspective. Jewish history plus the Bible unfolds Nehemiah's story as a servant, serving the Persian royal court as the personal cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. You can read more about that in Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 11 all the way through chapter 2 verse 1. His position was not lowly. Cupbearers are the highest and most trusted positions within a king's service. As in the case of God, this prestigious position reveals something of Nehemiah's upright and righteous character. Though he remained in Persia after the exiles had been allowed to go home, he was highly interested in the state of affairs of Judah, and so was his brother, Hanani. The book of Nehemiah could be read as a sequel to the book of Ezra, but as I mentioned in the introduction, originally these two books probably were one book, and some scholars believe the two originally were penned to lay out the journey that God took, not only Nehemiah, but many other biblical leaders that God gave great respect and purpose. It is possible that Ezra compiled Nehemiah's original accounts with other materials to create the book of Nehemiah. However, most scholars believe Nehemiah wrote the book. I am certainly one of those. The Christ parallel in this is God the Father and Jesus the Son have always recorded the progressive steps to freedom. Revelation's book reveals the concept of every jot and tittle. God is into details. However, there is no record of Jesus using the pen 
to scribe one single word. He left that to the men and women who served him. Let's go on to take a look at the period of Nehemiah's service. The book of Nehemiah opens in the Persian city of Susa, now Iran, in the year of 444 B.C. Later that year, Nehemiah traveled to Israel, leading the third of three returns by the Jewish people following their 70 years of exile, bondage, in Babylon. Most of the book centers on events in Jerusalem. The narrative concludes around the year 430 B.C., and scholars believe the book was written shortly thereafter. Here's a special note for you. The Persian Empire is where many of the descendants of Ishmael resided and ruled. One-third of Revelation's book deals with this group. Today they are classified as Islamic. During Nehemiah's service to the Persian king, the city was considered the capital of gods and goddesses. Formally established by the Babylonian Empire. In fact, Persia is the next era that evolved from the Babylonians. Because of this reality, the setting that God places Nehemiah in, and being a cupbearer to the king, was that this particular king was battling Egypt and Babylonian influences. They wanted to be their own people. This particular king was known for having a soft spot for the Jewish people, thus commissioning Ezra to take charge of the ecclesiastical and civil affairs of the Jewish nation. In fact, King Artaxerxes is known for separating the government's interference with religious rights, particularly Judaism. Thus, Nehemiah became an obvious choice to follow up Ezra's work. Now here's our Christ parallel. As in the case of Jesus, leadership starts with being a servant. From service, leadership is born. When Jesus walked the earth, he was a servant. Although when we see him again in Revelation's book, he is in the mode of delivering severe consequences to those who refuse to serve him the King of Kings. Let's review now the last book written before the birth of Christ. Nehemiah is the last historical book of the Old Testament. Although the book of Esther appears after Nehemiah in the canon, the events of Esther occurred in the period between Ezra 6 and 7, between the first and second returns of the people of Israel. The prophet of Malachi was a contemporary of Nehemiah. So were many leaders from that day forward. There was a gotological reason why the book of Nehemiah was the last Old Testament book written. He was setting up for the birth of Christ by preparing the way for Jerusalem to host the king of kings. His character as a servant leader illustrated the exact triune of a quality leader, cupbearer, builder, and leader. Finally, Nehemiah's style and function as a savior of Jerusalem 
was a precursor to Jesus coming back to reestablish Jerusalem in the final actions of Jesus, according to Revelation's book. The Christ parallel here is this. Just as Revelation's book was the last penned book of the trilogy of the Word, the book of Nehemiah is the last writing project before Christ's arrival. It is in this single fact that we know that Nehemiah's actions and recordings are historically eschological. Let's review Nehemiah's considered a savior to the Jews. Nehemiah was a layman, not a priest like Ezra, nor a prophet like Malachi. He served the Persian king in a secular position before leading a group of Jews to Jerusalem to rebuild the city's walls. Nehemiah's expertise in the king's court equipped him adequately for the political and physical reconstruction that was necessary for the remnant to survive. Please keep that in the forefront of your mind. God is always after preserving his remnant. That principle applies not only all the way up to our present-day culture, but it will be until the last hour of humanity. Under Nehemiah's leadership, the Jews withstood opposition and came together to accomplish their goal. Nehemiah led by example, giving up respective position in the palace for hard labor in a political war zone. He partnered with Ezra, that's for certain, who also appears in this book to solidify the political and spiritual foundations of the people of God. Before God, Nehemiah's humility provided an example for the people. He did not claim glory for himself, but always gave God credit for his success. That's why the prayer that we read through earlier is so significant. It is an appeal to God and a repentance of the wrongs of the Jewish people, and asking God to transfer his power into his hands to accomplish God's mission. Nehemiah recorded the reconstruction of the wall of Jerusalem, Judah's capital city. Together, he and Ezra, who led the spiritual revival of the people, directed the political and religious restoration of the Jews in their homeland after the Babylonian captivity. Now the thing you have to keep in mind here is Babylon is that first generation that came from the descendants of Ham. Our Christ parallel here is Jesus Christ was the ultimate savior to the Jewish people. While in Nehemiah's day the Jews were waiting for their Messiah, Nehemiah became the preview of their awaited king. Now let's review Nehemiah, a refined model of leadership. Nehemiah's life provides a fine study on leadership. He overcame opposition from outsiders as well as internal turmoil. He exercised his administrative skills in his strategy to use half the people for building while the other half kept watching 
for the Samaritans, who, under Sambalat, threatened attack. Now you can read more about that in Nehemiah chapters 4 through 7. It's a fascinating story. As Governor Nehemiah negotiated peace among the Jews, who were unhappy with the Persian taxes, he exhibited a steadfast determination to complete his goal. Accomplishing those goals resulted in people being encouraged, renewed, and excited about their future. And it is interesting to note that God used the economy and taxes in general with the negotiations of a God-appointed leader to create and start and ignite the Jewish revival. Nehemiah was appointed as the governor of Israel by the Persian king Darius during the beginning of the second temple period. He was instrumental in rebuilding the defenses of Jerusalem and the surrounding area and provided much-needed stability and management to the fleeting Jewish community who had just returned from Babylon. Remember, Nehemiah was born in Babylon and raised in exile, which means being barred from Jerusalem. He understood the ways of the Jewish enemy and the culture of the Babylonians. He was a clever and composed person, thus why he made a great cupbearer. Although the wise Jewish leaders of his time had forbidden drinking Gentile wine. Nehemiah was given a special dispensation to do so due to his distinguished position. Now here's our Christ parallel. There is no question that Nehemiah was the preview of the coming style of leadership that Jesus would demonstrate. When Jesus arrived in his first coming, he leads via serving the people. Jesus was, is, his father's cupbearer. While he was serving, he was in the process of rebuilding Jerusalem. These two mission points set Jesus up to rule God's people, which arrives in Revelation's book. Now let's take a snapshot view of God makes use of intel. One day... In the twentieth year of the reign of King Darius, Nehemiah was speaking to his brother. He asked Hanani how the Jews who had journeyed to Israel years earlier were doing. The temple had been rebuilt more than twelve years before this, and the Jews of Babylon were eager to hear news of their fellow Jews and the condition of their hearts. God used or uses the modality of checking the hearts of his people to determine the strength available to build or rebuild. If or when the heart is faint, so are their hands. As per God's design, the hands are as productive as the strength of his people's hearts. As history proves, when God's people are put to work without an abundance of belief and faith, they quit when opposition arrives, a modality that permeates our church culture today. With this in mind, 
Hannah and I related to Nehemiah how the Samaritans of the area had been enraged by the completion of the temple and had descended on Jerusalem, destroying the walls and ransacking the city. The situation was worsening by day four. Overcome with sadness, Nehemiah began fasting and weeping. His grief continued unbated for several days. He prayed to God to help his brethren in Israel, to forgive them for their unfaithfulness, and to fulfill his promise to gather all the Jews back to the land of Israel. Does that not sound familiar when we look at Revelation's book in describing in the final times there will be a great call to bring the Jews back to the final Israel. Well, the next month, Nehemiah was called to serve the king of Doris, his wine. Despite his best efforts, his grief could not be contained, and King Doris realized immediately that something was wrong. After being pressed to share what was on his mind, Nehemiah told the king that the plight of the Jews in Israel weighed heavily upon him, and that he wished more than anything else to travel to Israel, with the permission of the king, in order to assist Jews with rebuilding the city, protecting them from their enemies. Moved by his sincerity, Darius allowed Nehemiah to travel to Israel, giving him travel permission and timber from the royal storehouse for roofing, accompanied by an armed royal escort. Nehemiah gathered a few of his friends and set out for Jerusalem. Now here's our Christ parallel. Jesus Christ always checks the heart before advancing his mission. If you read in Revelation's book, you will discover a method that preceded God's action, that of receiving intel from angels that monitor the earth. In our study, we see the same method via Nehemiah's success. In conclusion, we need to take a look at the four primary principles in our study. Number one, record your journey. Setting the journey for the future generations. One of the greatest errors that we see in church culture today is people do not journal. Well, after that particular parent dies, there is nothing written that the future generations can look at, study for their present generation. God has always used the modality of recording each and every step that he has made since the Garden of Eden to the New Jerusalem. Number two, consider yourself a slave. That's right, I said, a slave. But in our case with Jesus Christ, we are bond slaves, which means we volunteered. Number three, release Savior Leaders. In other words, don't muzzle the mouths of your prophets and your leaders. God still uses leaders to this very hour, and he will until his last hour for humanity. 
Number four, submit to biblical leaders. God made this clear in the book of Romans that we are to honor all existing authorities. He went on to say that all these authorities that exist were created by him, meaning God uses the good with the bad. But if you unplug authority, you unplug the gospel. If you unplug the gospel, there's a price to pay. Coming up next in 03 is Nehemiah's Leaders. We're going to talk about quality leaders gain information from their loyal leaders. We're going to go on to review leaders of God are not afraid to conduct secretive excursions. Good reason for this. Most people are liars. And most people present an image that does not exist. Or they minimally try to make lukewarm what is really going on in culture. So a quality leader needs to step out and check out things for themselves. This is usually done through the leaders that serve a leader who are trusted when they monitor a society. Then we're going to discuss Nehemiah types always protect their service leaders. Authentic leaders work from a blueprint provided by their authority. This is a key item of success for Nehemiah. We're also going to discuss leaders of God. Keep in mind the economic reforms needed to keep the work moving. And finally, we'll discuss the Nehemiahical leaders preserve the beliefs of the people. We hope you join us for that particular message. We are slowly but for surely unfolding the power of prophecy within the book of Nehemiah. We thank you for joining us today. It's a privilege on our part. And if you ever have any questions in regard to our study, please don't hesitate to contact me personally. Until next time.